Okay, let's begin. Above all else, the word is the most important thing. So we saw up to verse four, chapter four, verse sixteen. And so remember this uh, four sixteen, this dream team. This is the image of the church. That's how God created His church. That there is nothing that can stand against the church. Why? Because he is the head of the church. And because he is the head of the church, he pours out amazing power and amazing strongholds for the church. And so if you or me, we are the church of God, then this is what we will become. Amen? This is the faith you need to have. Believe in everything that God has done for you. And remember that this is not theory. But for the past 25 years, this is the real church that God has established through this truth in our church. Amen? And so I bless you that your church will be a glorious, blessed church. And so remember that uh, this spiritual system is really important, the spiritual system of verse 11. And so pastors, you only need to do one thing. Acknowledge this word and seek this anointing day by day. And then wait for the Holy Spirit to work as much as possible don't try to control people yourself fundamentally you are those who to teach the word as it says in 1 John 2 17 it's not you who teaches them directly but the anointing teaches them when the Holy Spirit touches them, their hearts directly, then they will be made perfect in this system. And they will serve in this context. And they'll be able to uphold these five ministries. Amen? Amen. And so what's important here is patience. Continue to wait for the Holy Spirit. In faith, believe in the Word and seek anointing and hope. let it flow. And eventually the Holy Spirit will transform your church. And so the most important thing is patience. And also, of course, truth is important. And right now, Zoe Ministry Network churches are being established all over the world. And all of these churches preach my word just as it is. As I proclaim it, they proclaim it. And these words um, formulate your church members. These words move the Holy Spirit. And so that's why the truth is so important. And so for the past 2,000 years, uh, let, us remove, uh, let us remove the chips of the great prostitutes from the past 2,000 years and restore 
the pure essence of the early church truth. So if you uh, uh, go into our church, we're currently working hard to translate everything into Spanish. And not just the 66 expositions, but also various topics. For example, uh, doctrines, doctrines of church, doctrines of salvation, doctrines of Christ. And you need to hear these sermons. Why? Because these things will show you how polluted, how corrupted our truth has become because of the great prostitute. And so for the past two, 20 years, do you know what Zoe Ministry has been doing? We've been focusing on and, and pouring out all of our energy into restoring this truth. And we will continue to fight for the truth. That is the most important thing for the church to do, to restore the glory of the early church. And so to the pastors who are here, if you have the faith to do so, uh, come to our sermon, come to our webpage, and continue to listen to my sermons, because this isn't a theory. Well, for the past 33 years, um, God has allowed me to embody this truth. It's not um, a theory, and it's not something I learned from books. And th this is the revelation that the uh, God, Holy Spirit has opened up to me. And in my pastoral ministry, through these words, through these sermons, God has established our church. And so the words that I proclaim are not my words. And I don't care. You, anyone can make use of these sermons because I don't have copyright. Just simply do not charge money for it. It's okay. You can make your own books with these words. You can proclaim it just as it is. Why? Because the owner is the Holy Spirit. But simply all I ask is that you do not charge money for it. Because the proverb says, do not sell the truth for money. And so everywhere I go all over the world, I never receive a fee for, for speaking. Rather, I give. Oh. Oh. And so I give this truth to you for free. Because this truth is priceless. And so chapter 4, verse 17, uh, Paul begins to speak about your lifestyle. And there are really important things uh, being discussed here. And so what is this training? It is training your speech. Why is the focus of training on your speech? Because we are the children of the king, we live by our lips. We live by the authority of our lips. And as we saw in chapter 4, verse 11, what does the apostle live by? Lives by proclaiming the word. 
What about the prophet? The prophet declares direction through his words. What about the evangelist? He proclaims the word. What about teachers? Teaches the word. And so everything in the church is done through words. And so we need to be able to speak words of authority, speak words of faith, speak words of power, speak words of beauty, speak words of holiness. And with the words, anointing shall flow. And so words is not just simply words. In the words, it moves the spirit. And that's what the Lord says as well. That it is not what goes enter, enters the mouth that makes you unclean, but what comes from within your heart that makes you unclean. And so do you know what the devil tries to pollute? They try to pollute men through words. And so there are many of our ministers whose spiritual eyes have opened. And so when uh, demon-possessed demon kids uh, make a ruckus, out of their lips comes, uh, comes shit. And so uh, the demons use words to pollute you. And so uh, whether your children or your church members, they are polluted through your words, through words. Through words they are bound. And through words they are hurt and receive scars. And so words is moved, is, is, is moved by a spirit. And so those who are holy in, by the Holy Spirit will be able to speak words of power. If you look at James 3, 2, the one who does not uh, make mistakes with his words is the one who is perfect. Why is this make a requirement for perfection? John or James saw the hardness of of the of man's mind. And I don't know if there's a doctor amongst you. But uh, about 70% of the brain's functions is focused on language and communication. And so this this um and so what makes your word perfect means that your brain, your brain can move according to the principle of creation. And because your uh, mindset, which is over your spirit, uh, is perfected in God. And so in James 3, it says that your tongue can determine your life. Just as uh, the keel drives the boat, the rudder drives the boat, in the same way, the tongue drives your life. Though the tongue is small, it, it, it breathes out fire. And if you look at Proverbs, Proverbs tells you to guard your lips. That those who speak the uh, opportune word is like pouring gold and silver out. And uh, men are blessed according to what comes out of their lips. And so saints need to speak words of authority, speak words of faith. And so what do you pray with? You pray with words. 
Now, of course, you may be able to think about your prayer, but if you want power in prayer, for the most part, instead of praying, Lord, give me this, give me that, rather it's proclamation. Proclamation in faith. And so through your proclamations in faith, you'll create, your countries are shaped. And God has created this creation to move based on proclamation. And so you have the power to declare. Even when you cast demons out, you are declaring it. That's how important words are. And so, uh, through the church, God is training His saints to speak words of power. And so if you look at chapter 5, it tells you to not speak filthy words. Because if you do, the Holy Spirit will be displeased. Do not speak of the world. Do not speak foolishness. And so when I first met with God 33 years ago, I, I trained myself for a long time by biting down on a bit and not speaking for a long time. Because the moment I would open my mouth, I would say lies. And so many pastors, when you preach, you need to s repent afterwards. Why? Because when we preach, we need to preach according to the will of God, being upright before God. But as you well know, many times when you preach, you tend to make little white lies. Right? Instead of saying it's 10, you say it's 12. That is a lie. Right, pastors, let's be honest. We lie a lot. Why don't you say amen? That's why after preaching, we need to repent. And so really, when I first began my ministry, I repented deeply after every sermon. I repented like this. I would cry to God. Lord, I lied five times in this sermon. And so we need to train our lips. That's when we'll be able to speak uprightly. God hears the prayers of the upright. If we speak lies, God will not answer our prayers. Why? Because God, because God is afraid that you might that that people might mistake your words to be true. God hears the prayer of the of the uh, uh, righteous. And when it says upright, it means that they don't lie. But if you look at the original text, it's upright. So I've been using the right word, upright. The one who is, stands upright before God. And so, the one who is upright before God, because he speaks rightly before God, he doesn't lie. So why are we unable to be honest? Because we do not stand before God. We, because we are not upright before God. Uh, that uh, If we are not up, uh, upright, we will lie. And so, that's why it's so important to train our lips. 
And so you also need to be able to discipline your lips, your words. And the most important thing, what pleases God the most is this, is following after the uh, words of the Holy Spirit and speaking as the word, uh, following after the word. So these kinds of people, it's dangerous that it, my thoughts that I think or my experiences or my will if you live by the Holy Spirit you will stop speaking like this you'll say the Lord speaks thus says the Holy Spirit and so last Tuesday or, or Wednesday I gathered with the leaders and we discussed what co what country we're going to have the next conference in. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, recommend either Panama or El Salvador. And so I said that, that the Holy Spirit speaks that either Panama or El Salvador. And so you need to be able to speak. The Lord, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Holy Spirit. That's where authority will come. And so we need to continue to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Continue to listen to Him speaking. And so do not ever cut off your relationship with Him. Even as you're preaching, you should be listening listening to His voice. I, even now, I'm listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why it's so important to train your lips. And so I cannot go in depth into here. And now chapter 5, verse 22. It tells you how to have fellowship with your fellow saints in the community. So verse 22 to 30 is talking about wives and husbands. And chapter 6 is verses 1 through 3 talks about children and parents. Or sorry, 6 to verses 1 through 4. And then from verse 5 to 9 talks about relationships between masters and servants. Remember, at that time, uh, slaves and masters would attend the same church. And because they were, but though they were became brothers, that didn't mean that they could do whatever they wanted. And so within the context of their relationship within the, uh, with, the, with one another, it had to be defined here. Now, let's look at today's text, verses 10 to 20, uh, regarding spiritual warfare. And so ultimately, as this church is glorified, what does the church do? They are excellent in spiritual battle. And as I said in the first session, at that time, in AD 90, uh, there was the cult of Artemis disappearing from Asia Minor. 
Why? Because artists, the Temple of Artemis challenged uh, the Church of Ephesus and was wiped off the face of the earth. And we also talked about the second blessing. The church are client kings. And so that church has the authority to rule over its region. And though the devil understands this, he does not acknowledge it. And so that's why you need to be able to overpower them with, with power. And so whenever Zoe Ministry Network establishes a new church, I uh, recommend this. Don't do anything. For time, just pray. Pray to God and engage in spiritual warfare. Uh, that the demons in this region have to acknowledge your kingship. Don't go around evangelizing too quickly. Focus in prayer and spiritual battle. And when that, uh, the devil acknowledges that church as a client king, then that church can grow to the measure that God has set aside. Okay, so our church has about 500 members. And none of these 500 members, almost none of them, came to our church through street evangelism. To be honest, even most of them don't even originally come from this neighborhood. They all come from all over the world. People who give up their life in America, people who give up their life in Germany. And so I don't know how they come to learn of our church, but they moved to Korea. And because we're victorious in spiritual battle, now the devil cannot block us and they cannot stop the work of God. And so the church uh, will receive members based on His holiness. God will send the church members based on His holiness. Now this doesn't mean don't go out and street evangelize. Go ahead and go out and street evangelize. But if you don't engage in spiritual warfare first, not only are you bringing uh, friends, but you're also bringing spies into the church. And so your church will become a desert. And so the important thing is to pray and get confirmation that your church is the director of the region. And so now let's look at spiritual warfare. Okay, uh, if you go to our, our web page, uh, we have information regarding spiritual discernment. And this is really important to understand. And yet, I'm sorry to say, but it's not yet in Spanish. And so, honestly, if we're talking about spiritual warfare, we need to talk about all of these things as well. But I would need another week if I wanted to cover all of this. And so, brothers, you need to pray that these things would quickly be translated. But anyways, one weapon that God has given you is spiritual discernment. And so let us open spiritual discernment. Especially in this day and age, uh, who are you uh, opposing in spiritual battle? 
it is with the Antichrist. And so for this reason, our fight is not simple. That's why our church, our churches need to be united. We need to fight in a united front. And so when one church is ruined, it is, of course, the problem of one pastor. But at the same time, there is a spiritual pressure upon every single church to push them down. And so this day and age, that's not the kind of pressure that we're receiving. And so your church needs lots of intercession. You need the strength of unity. And that's why, Songmin's, uh, 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 sorry, one moment, one moment, give me a moment. Okay, it's okay, it doesn't have to be Zoe ministry. But wherever the Holy Assembly is gathered, I want you to be united to that Holy Assembly. You have come to a point where this is really necessary. It's very important. You need a team that can pray for you 24 hours a day. And so in your churches, you need to establish um, intercession teams. Intercession teams that can pray for the head pastor. Why? Because depending on the sermons of the head pastor will determine the fate of the church members. And so there are many people in our church who fast 40 days, 21 days for me. They're constantly interceding for me. If not, I cannot keep this ministry. You saw how much energy I poured out here today in this week, right? Do you know how old I am? I'm so old. And so where do you think the strength to pour out this energy comes from? It's what God has done. So you need intercession. It's the same thing to you. The fact that you are a head pastor means there is great spiritual pressure. And so in your church, you need prayer teams that can pray for you. A pastor who receives intercession and a pastor who doesn't, the difference is the difference between night and day. A church that has a prayer of fire and a church that has no prayer is completely different. And so this is the privilege you have as a mission or church, that you receive uh, intercession for 24 hours a day that all the Zoe Ministry Network churches pray together. Amen. And so I'm sorry for advertising Zoe Ministry. Copy. So verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And so, remember, we have to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the church and the saints must be in Christ. I talked about this earlier on the first day, right? That it's important to have the Holy Spirit within me. 
it's important that he reigns over me, then we will be in his presence. And if so, we will be strengthened in him. And so, uh, in the strength of his might, right? Strength and might sound similar, but and yet Paul purposely split these two up. Strength comes out of authority. And might is just that might, is power. And they're different. And so whether it's the church or the saints, if you want to engage in spiritual warfare, you need to have the balance between power and authority. So let's say I go to the police and I put on the police uniform and when the uh, thief looks at me, what would he do? He will run away. Right, because there's authority in that uniform, that police uniform. But then let's say the uh, cop followed, ran after the thief and they ran into a dead end. So now they're looking face to face. What is that, what is that thief going to do? He's going to fight back, right? Because there's only the two of them. And so what does the policeman have to do? He has to overpower him with strength. And so that's why we need strength and might. Amen? And so you need to have the balance between these two things. And so authority comes from position. What is your position? Are you a pawn? Are you a lieutenant? Are you a captain? No. No, you are the king. You are a king. And so this is faith in who you are, in your identity. We fight as kings. And so look, even if you cannot spirit discern spiritually very well, for example, let's say in a good uh, village, there is a, it's a small village in America. And let's say that a Russian spy is hidden in that village. But uh, in that village, he goes to uh, a public, uh, the public assembly, and he takes the microphone, and someone says, hey, spy, show yourself. Then will that spy come out? No, he won't, right? He'll stay hidden. But now let's say that the CIA came to the spy and said, I am a CIA agent. Come out. Then he cannot remain hidden. Why? Because the CIA will know where the spy is hidden. And so, the important thing is, is that you need to know what your authority is. Do not forget for even a moment your kingliness. And so uh, the amount of power, uh, armies that one star general can move and the amount of armies that a king can move is completely different. And so if the church cannot avail its kingly authority, 
then the angels will be will fall back in the battle. So do not forget for even a moment that you have the authority of a king. Amen. Okay, believe in this, brothers. Why? Because when we were saved, we have been acknowledged as sons of God. And so regarding authority, you have no problems, each and every single one of you. It's not that God didn't give you this authority. Rather, you do not have faith in that authority. And so, because, well, how did our Lord came to this earth? That I received this word as Rhema, that we can trample on scorpions and serpents and disarm the devil. And so there's no one who can come against you. This is the authority given to you from the, as a king. And what else does it say? Colossians 2.15 that you have been given the authority to disarm the devil. This is again from the context of kingliness. And so uh, when, you, when you say that devil, your weapons have been disarmed, they are disarmed. Why? Because you are the king. Believe that you are kings. Amen. And then 1 John 5, 8, it says that the evil one cannot touch you. Why can he not touch you? It's because inside of you flows the royal blood. Because you are a child of the king, he cannot touch you. But many of you cannot live out that reality. It's not that the devil cannot touch you. Rather, you are, you are having intimate relationships with the devil. It's because you do not believe. And uh, there was once a demon-possessed person at a friend of mine's church, and that pastor was going to bring her to me. And this demon said to the pastor like this, please don't take me to Pastor Mino Kim. I'm not trying to boast for this. If you have kingly authority, these kinds of evidence will manifest. Even Acts, we can see this. I know Jesus and I know Paul. And so, in place of Paul's name, it should be your name. And so let's proclaim it in faith. I know Jesus and I know Paul. And now put your name. I know Jesus and I know David. Okay, we have kingly authority. We need to believe this completely. And so you need power as well. 
Why? Because with authority alone, right? Just like uh, there's um, there's a saying that says that uh, the mouse will bite the cat at the end of its rope. And so for that reason, we also need strength. Power and our strength and authority moves together. And so this authority is authority from the Holy Spirit. And it comes from holiness. So if we are holy, we will not limit the power of the Holy Spirit. Especially the work of the Holy Spirit, it manifests in anointing. And so if anointing is strong, you will be excellent in spiritual gifts. And if you are holy, there will be strong power of fire of the Holy Spirit. And so anointing is the power of God's work. And fire is the power of the Holy Spirit itself. And so we need all of this. And so we need strong anointing. And as continually we continually holy, uh, the strength of our power, fire needs to get stronger. And so when you work through the anointing, it helps separate many things, right? For example, let's think about uh, the let's think about uh, the spiritual gift of healing right it's anointing and so wrestling with or, or, or healing with this gift and then and then other times you could heal with fire what's the difference when you uh, heal with spiritual gift, you are healing that, uh, you're treating the sickness itself. But fire uh, burns the root of that sickness. So we need both. Because fire burns the root evil of that, of all the, of the source. And so especially things like cancer, we need the power of fire to burn away the root of cancer. And we also need to be able to cast out through the power of the blood. What's the difference? With, uh, casting out with fire and casting out with anointing. Uh, we don't call this uh, the spiritual gift, but the power of the Holy Spirit. For example, uh, people who have gift of power. So those who have gift of power can cast demons out. And so what's the difference between the power of the blood, the power of fire, and the power of the anointing? The power of the blood is the power to cleanse the pollution. And so with fire, we cast out demons. And, with the, and then we'll spread the blood of, power of the blood so that the demon cannot come back. And so if you pour out the fire to a filthy um, demon, he cannot be there because it is pure. 
So when you say blood of Jesus Christ, you are cleansing that you are cleansing that room. You are changing the life of darkness to the life of eternity. And the one who receives that in faith and continually maintains it, will he he is the one who will continue to maintain it. But if they pollute themselves again, then the demon can come back in. And so there are many kinds of powers, but only in holiness are these powers not limited. And so, let's say, oh, I have power because I've been ministry for a long time. No, this is incorrect. It's not, you don't get power because you minister for a long time. You need holiness. And so if you are continually getting polluted, then you get taken over by those spirits. So power comes from holiness. And so we need these two things that when we engage in spiritual warfare, we will not have difficulties. And so confirm every day that you are the child of the king. Believe, amen? That I am the child of the king. That I have kingly authority. And we need to continue being holy. And so when you preach or minister, you need to continually cleanse yourself of these things. For example, when you eat lunch, you put everything on a plate and then you wash that plate afterwards, right? In the same way, when you use yourself for the work of God, you need to cleanse yourself. So above all else, you need to guard your holiness. And so that's why pastors, if you spend too much time drunk on computers, on, 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 on movies, on TV, things of the world, then you will be wrong. And so brothers, do not get excited for football. And so God is saying to many pastors to cut off football. And so look, if you don't need holiness, then go ahead, watch football. Oh yeah. If you don't need holiness, go ahead, watch movies. But if you need holiness, then cut all of these things off. And so as I said on the first day, in Revelations, what do, how does the Antichrist make you child of darkness? By polluting your noose. And so movies, football, your cell phones, these things continually pollute your noose. And so makes your spiritual eyes blind.
so unable to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, there are the primary colors of light. And so, depending on how these primary colors are shaped, white could look red, white could look yellow. That is the principle of light. But fundamentally, in the presence of God, it's not about color, it's about black and white. And so if you look at the uh, uh, presence of God in, in, in visions, it's not looking at color, but it's looking in black and white. And so that image of black and white, through the explanation of the Holy Spirit, you see it in color. Oh, this is a very uh, difficult spiritual principle that I'm talking about right now. And so when babies are born, if you keep showing them your cell phones, their eyes get warped. Their vision gets warped. And so children should only see black and white. But if they see too many colors from, from an early age, then they get easily deceived. And deception is, is a captain of unbelief. And so it means that it's, they change yellow to white. It should be black, but it looks white to them. That is deception. And so in this day and age, the youth are so uh, weak to deception. They're unable to see demons. They're unable to see what God has made in this world. Why? Because instead of seeing black and white, they see color first. And so their standard for the truth is very weak within them. And so movies, TV, uh, cell phones, if you spend too much time on these things, you're in danger. And so Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs never allowed his children to use computers while they were growing up, even though he was an inventor of a computer. Why? Because he knew that computers were bad for them. How amazing is that? And you know that Baskin Robbins, right? Uh, the, that the uh, founder of Baskin Robbins doesn't feed his children ice cream. Why? Because he knows how unhealthy that ice cream is. Sorry for giving you such unhealthy food earlier. And so they ask him, is that why you didn't eat? And he's... No, no. I don't eat after 6 p.m. Why? Because usually I sleep around 7 or 8 o'clock at night. Now, of course, during the conference, I cannot do so. But that's why I do not eat um, dinner often. And even if I do eat, I'm only eating a little bit of fruit and vegetables. And so that's why. 
So let's continue. So in verse 10, uh, this power and authority needs to be meeting in balance. Again, authority has been given to you by God. That you are the child of the King. Amen. And power comes from holiness. If you live by the Holy Spirit, that as you separate yourselves from the world, there will be no limit to the power that God is willing to shoot, manifest in you. So, verse 11. Verse 11 says, uh, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so it's saying that the devil is strategic. That's why he has schemes. And so this is really important. What does it mean that he's strategic? That if you are under the order of sin, the devil has the right, the right given by God to do whatever he wants to you. And so, in the law of sin, the devil can do anything. And so in order to kill someone, if they need, if money will lead them to destruction, then the devil will give them money. If they need to take away money, then they'll take away money. And so, don't think that it's always a blessing of God just because someone makes a lot of money. And there was a church that I heard of a long time ago. Uh, they, they didn't have that many. It was a church established without that many members. But one church member entered, and this church member started offering lots of money. And so the church started to get rich. But in, uh, the resp uh, uh, it, but in the negotiations for real estate, uh, one of the church members was doing, uh, was selling alcohol. And so I told that pastor, don't rely on that church member for your finances. You, uh, God is not pleased with his money. And he did not listen to my words. And so because uh, he was the um, backbone for the finances of that church, and the, so the church started to build and expand based on what he offered. But then he came to financial ruin. And when he came to financial ruin, the church that he had helped buy was still paying off payments and, and it all came crumbling down. And so they had to close the doors of that church. That's what it means that the devil is strategic. That if money will lead to your destruction, he will give you more money. And so we need to be able to see the strategies of God. We need to have the wisdom of God. Don't rely on your circumstances and your aspect. Uh, oh, sorry, one moment. So for example, let's say that this church member is not holy, but he works really hard for the church. That's very dangerous. 
if the pastor acknowledges him and builds him up and gives him authority, no, you shouldn't do so. Remember that your earthly position, your earthly riches cannot determine um, your position in the church. If they are not spiritual, they should remain silent. And so no matter how much money they may make, whether they're a doctor or a lawyer, if they are not spiritual, that they should remain quiet. They, they cannot be established as leaders for the church. And so in 2 Corinthians 2.14, what does it say? Or 2.2? 2, 2? To uh, entrust the church to faithful men. And so the requirement for leaders is faithfulness to God. Because when you look at 1 Timothy or Titus, especially Titus, Titus is a new church established in Crete. And so Paul, when he wrote his letter, he could have said, go out and evangelize and bring lots of people into the church. But what does Paul say to Titus? That's not what he says. He says, look for leaders. Look for and establish a high standard for leaders. That's difficult, isn't it? This is a church that was just established. And so you're just looking for one or two members. But instead of looking for those members, you establish a high standard for leadership. And if you look at Ezra, after Israel returns from the exile, there's no one there that. And so everyone needs to minister. And now uh, the, this group of Levites showed up. And this Levi said, I am the son of this, son of this, of this clan. But he has no proof. And so they do not allow them to serve in the temple. Even though they need workers and ministers, so they could have just received them. But no, when it comes to the holiness of the church, it is not made through people. And so this is to keep the devil from polluting the holiness of the church. And so pastors, you need to open your eyes to this fact. Why? Because the devil is strategic. Uh, and so uh, worldly standards or using riches as the priority, as the, as the criteria, the fanciness as criteria, thinking that prosperity is the criteria, at any time, the, the, the sin can um, uh, enter into you. And so if the pastor doesn't maintain holiness, uh, they will be like an open book. And remember, I told you that I chased out one of my church members. 
and that church member uh, was one of the top five offering church members. And yet I kept telling him, you need to be holy, but he didn't change. And yet he still offered lots of money, and so I kicked him out of the church. Why? Because through these kinds of people, the devil will use um, a as a foothold to enter to the church. And so if you do not have this high standard for holiness, then the devil will um, interlope into you. And so uh, the pastor needs to be able to rule over these things. They need to have the wisdom and the strategy of God so that they can move in the fullness of God's reign. So do not, be for, do not forget that the church belongs to God. And because it belongs to God, if it's pure and holy, then it is a great weapon against the heart of the devil. And so that's why the devil is strategically trying to put to death his God's church. But do not be afraid of the strategies of the devil. Because all we have to do is be holy. And secondly, we have God's strategy, God's plan. And so if we live by the Holy Spirit, there is God's wisdom. And so the devil's strategy is nothing. But what allows the devil's strategy to take a hold of us is losing holiness. And so I pray you that you would be filled with the wisdom of heaven, that you be filled with the strategy of heaven. And so I bless you that you have the power to break down uh, the work of the devil. And so you need to pray like this very long, very often. Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, grant me spiritual discernment. Uh, that I can continually look upon your glory. We need to be continually looking at the glory of God. That way we can discern darkness. Amen. Hallelujah. And so I bless you that you will be filled with the gift of spiritual discernment. That you'll be filled with the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. And so, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so this full armor, full armor that has both defensive and offensive capabilities. And so we'll see these armaments in verse 14. And so not just these armaments in verse 14, but all the spiritual armaments in the Bible. Let us take these armaments and be equipped in these armaments. Amen. Really, there are so many angels here today. So I ask God, why are there so many angels? It's to equip you as warriors. So that you can engage in spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. Let's continue. And so it says to put on the full armor of God. And this is written in the middle tense. Amen. 
in verse 13 it says to uh, it says therefore take up this is written in the active tense and so how should we understand verse 11 it's saying to maintain the state where you are equipped with the full armor of God Okay, the powerful general is the one who is equipped in his armor. And so until the Lord comes to uh, back to the earth, we need to be equipped with the armor. We need to always be fully armed. But verse 13, this active tense, therefore take up the whole armor of God. Means that every day we need to renew this. We need to sharpen our swords, sharpen our arrows, and also make sure that our armor is in good condition, continually being renewed. That way we can be victorious in battle. And so I bless you that you maintain the full armor of God and that your weapons would be renewed every day, would be sharper every day that you would have better technique in God. Amen? This is not your efforts. If you live by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will formulate us in you. And so you will be an effective warrior for God. Spiritual warrior. Now verse 12, it's okay to be close a little bit late today, yes? Because all you have to do now is go home and sleep. Don't you want these weapons, these, this armament? This isn't my will, but God's will for you. And so why are all these angels here? I really am amazed. It's because God wants to establish you as warriors. Hallelujah! Verse 12. And so as you're listening to this sermon, all this anointing is flowing into you. Amen. So anointing of prophecy. And as I said earlier, I'm looking at you and I see that your spiritual eyes are opening up. And so open your spiritual eyes and see how many angels are here. That if there's this many, then we should see angel feathers. Are there any angel feathers? Okay, there are many times that these angel feathers fall in our church. And so how can you know if it's an angel feather or a feather of a duck? That the angel feathers has a lot of anointing. So let's continue. Verse 12. Our fight is not with flesh and blood. And so our fight is not against things that we see. For example, let's say someone attacks me and curses me. Okay. 
then I have no reason to get hurt or offended at his words or his action, behavior towards me. A man of God needs to be able to deal with the spiritual matters at hand. And if you respond to him in the flesh, then you will hate him. And the moment you hate him, you enter into darkness. The moment you hate him, that's the moment that your prayer gets bound. And this is the mistake that many of us make all the time. So don't hate people. Right, First John says that when you hate, you immediately are in darkness. So that's why it's hard to minister to people with lots of deep wounds in their hearts. Because the reason why you receive those hurts and wounds is because you hate people. And so this must be healed. And so let's say that this person attacks me like this. He curses me. Then don't look at that person, but look at the spirit that is moving that person. For example, let's say someone is suffering because of lack of money. Then if you give him money, will he be happy? No. You need to see what is causing the hardship of money in him. What spirit is causing that hardship? You need to see that spirit. There may be many reasons. But one reason is because there's going to be greed ruling over him. And there's some people who always falter because of people. Then does that mean that that person will uh, be happy because you introduce him to a good person? No. Because you got to look back behind to the immorality behind that person. And so whatever it may be, whatever the case it may be, you need to be able to see behind to the spiritual truth. Aircon, aircon is on. Bear with me just a little longer. The sermon will end very soon. And so it's really important to understand these words, right? And so look, look at how much God is wanting to bless you. So let us continue. So look here. So especially pastors. Don't judge your church members' lives based on what you see happening in their lives. Because as we live out our Christianity, we need to be someone who doesn't respond to our circumstances, to our conditions. Paul says the same thing. That I have learned to be content in all things. that none of these outside factors can move me or can influence me. 
Why? Because I'm seeing through to the spiritual things that are adjusting it. No matter how much people may try to move me, that unless God moves me, no one can move me. So because I'm looking at the spiritual things, and so pastors, we should not respond to these outside circumstances and conditions. Because our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the things that we see with our eyes. It's not about whether you have money or not. It's not about whether you can do it or not. And so, oh, I can't do this. That means you're looking at the fleshly conditions, fleshly circumstances. No. If you live in the faith, this is not how you respond. Even if it seems impossible, if God says to do it, you do it. And so when Israel looked at Goliath, what did they say? Oh, wow, we are such grasshoppers. We're insignificant. And yet when David looks at Goliath, what does he say? What does he say? You're my food. You're my meal today. Who's the right one? Who's speaking the truth? David speaks truth. So we need to look spiritually to see this. So don't respond to your circumstances. If you look in the spirit, all things are possible. And at the same time, all things are impossible. If you live in the faith, if you live by God, all things are possible. And yet at the same time, I cannot do a thing. Why? Because unless God doesn't move me, I cannot do anything. I do not move. And so pastors, we need to continually be able to see the Spirit and see everything in faith. If these things get bound, that's where there's problems. If we get bound in these kinds of things, then we keep falling and, and to the wrong way. So this is really important, brothers, that we are not dealing with flesh and blood. So then what are we fighting against? What does it say? For we wrestle against uh, the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness. And so this is all the line of the devil that we saw in chapter 1. And so how can we resist these things through our strength? And so in order to uh, oppose these things, God has given us authority. And so one of the most important uh, phrases in our in Zoom ministry, or in the Bible, one of the most important phrases to say in the Bible, is the being of the church. What is the being of the church? It's speaking of that relationship, uh, the physical relationship between the body and the head. And when the body and the head are attached to each other, the body moves according to the commands of the head. And if we move by that, then that body is in power. And so let's say that I want to carry something with my left hand, and it's heavy. 
then automatically my brain will move the right hand with my left hand. This is what it means to be the church. Now let's say I wanted to kick something with my foot, but it doesn't work with one foot. And so automatically I start to roll it with two feet. This is what it means to the being of the church. That when we live according to this principle of being the members of one body, the church will have great power. So if you look at our church, and you can look at our youth, it, when you look at them, it seems like they're hopeless. But when we send them out into the world, they turned that area upside down. One time we sent them to Malaysia to minister and the pastors were flipped upside down. And so one of the pastors wanted to visit our church and came to our conference to see what kind of church created these kinds of children. How is this possible? It comes out of the being of the church. And so all of these powers and authorities in the air, unless we are the church, we cannot fight against these things. And so I said, there are many angels here. And these angels will help you for a time. But if you do not uh, fulfill the Holy Church, then I'm sorry, these angels will flee from your church. But conversely, if you continue to grow in holiness, and continually engage in spiritual warfare, these angels will continually expand in number. This is what it means to be the church. Amen? And so in order to understand the being of the church, I need to preach out of 1 Corinthians. Uh, the church in Corinth fell because they lacked the being of the church. And so we need to live under the principle of one body. And so uh, if the head is separated from the body, will that body be alive or dead? Let's say someone was still alive then, and met with him who is the head. Yet he doesn't have spiky hair. Then what will happen to that person? Will it be same here or not? You should be able to say automatically that you have not been saved. Why? Because the body has been separated from the church, from, uh, from the head. Do you want to try it? Shall we see if you cut someone's head off, will they be alive or dead? Don't try it. I was just joking. Just believe he will die. And so the body and the head cannot be separated. And, uh, sorry, one moment. So I'm ministering through what power? Through the power of the God. How does the power of God work? Through this church. And so I minister through the being of the church. This is really important, brothers. And so all of these things is the power for us to face America. And there are many things that can overcome this strength. Why? Because you are the church. Amen. 
And so the church is something that uh, the uh, Hades cannot overcome. God has poured out all authority to his church, authority to reign over the universe. Believe, brothers. Amen. So verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. I talked about this earlier, yes? Uh, for uh, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And so this is talking about what's going to happen at the very end of the end times, the last seven years. And so this is talking about darkness over all the earth. And so we will face that darkness, and when we are victorious over that darkness, that is when we will be praised by God and stand before Him in glory. And so if the church does not engage in spiritual warfare, can it be glorified? No, it's impossible. Why? Because without spiritual warfare, you are constantly being pillaged in so many aspects. Why do the church members not transform? Why are they not changing? It's because they are being pillaged by the devil. So that's why they are not changing. Why does the church continue to demand new socks? And so that you get pillaged of your wisdom, of your health, of your money. And that's evidence that you are losing the battle. Amen. We need to continue to be victorious in the battle. Take back the spoils of war. And so when you go back home, engage in spiritual warfare. And you'll see your churches be transformed. You will see the riches of glory uh, move in your church. You'll see the riches of, uh, of meals fill your church. And as uh, children of the pastors, you are receiving lots of attacks. Because this season is the season to establish the next generation. That's why in June, send your children here. They will be transformed. When we had a conference in Paraguay, uh, there was a kid who was a pastor's kid who was a drug addict. And we casted out a demon out of him. And I said, God will use you. He transformed immediately. And news of him came a couple days ago and that he has attended seminary. And so God wants the ch ch uh, pastor's children to be transformed. He wants to renew them. Why are you unable to receive it? Because you are losing in battle. So let us be victorious. Let us be victorious. That all victory has been guaranteed. He has the victory. So all we have to do is confirm it. He has given all power and authority. Amen. And so now he gives us this armor. And so let's receive it in faith. When we receive it in faith, it will be yours. First, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And so whenever you look at a Roman soldier, they have long robes. 
and so they would use the belt to tie up those long robes so that they can run so that it wouldn't be obstruction and so remember that all of these weapons belong to the word and it talks about the various functions of the word so what does it mean belt of truth that the Word of God upholds you up. It's simple, the simplification of the Word of God in your life. So when you live by the Spirit of God, you will become simple. You will not think for yourself, but you will move according to His commands. And so if you are constantly complicated, that means that there's a problem. If you live by the Spirit, you'll be simple. What does it mean to be simple? that you do everything through God. It's not my plans. It's not my thoughts. It's not me trying to make something. But what is God's will and purpose? And so he who lives by God lives, in, lives only for this. Is it God's will or not? It's so it's a unitary way of thinking. But the world thinks about in a dual way. Right? Should I go or not? Should I eat or not? Should I do it or not? And because everything is two options, that's why it's so complicated. No, with God, there's only one option. It's the will of God. The will of God, that's all we have to do is know the will of God. And so is it God's will or not? If it's not, then I don't do it. If it is, I do it. So if you live by the truth, it becomes this simple. It makes your life simple. So you need to understand being distraction is sapping you of your strength. And so we need to cut down this distraction. We, simplicity is focusing all of your strength into one thing. And so one of the most important uh, roles of a leader is that when something happens, is determining how much energy are you going to pour into that region. That's what's going to determine the victory of a belt keeper, right? It's about focus, focus. The one who has focus will not be powerless. And so you need focus, brothers. And so constantly listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and seeing God's will. And so if so, then your thoughts will not be complicated. Amen? Amen? You need to understand that there's power in simplicity. That do not um, uh, uh, separate your strength. Right, when a tiger hunts a rabbit, it pours its entire being into that hunt. And so when uh, your church gives you a command, you need to have, be able to have the focus to pour everything into that. And this becomes possible because every saint lives by truth. Even now, in this conference, all the saints are focusing. Even now, constantly gathering to pray for this conference. And they are all uh, devoting all things. They don't consider other things. They just move immediately. 
And so if you receive the Word of God, you will become simplified. And so those of you who are complicated, this is evidence that you are not living by the Word of God. Let us be simplified. Amen. Second, uh, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is the state that uh, is obedient to the Word of God as it moves. And so if, if God says to go, going is righteousness. If God says don't do it, not doing it is righteousness. Now what is the breastplate of righteousness? Okay, what is the breastplate protecting? The breastplate protects your heart. And so, we're continually receiving our victory. If you are disobedient to the Word of God, His righteousness will not move in you. And so what is righteousness? It is being set, acknowledged as right before God. And so wherever we go, God needs to look at me and say, you are right. And it's when you receive that righteousness that you have righteousness confirmation. And so righteousness is receiving faith. Because you receive faith, you can move power. And when you move power, you are moving authority. And so this righteousness is everything. And so you need to be able to acknowledge to God's righteousness. If you use this as the Word of God, it will take part of your character. It's because God is my righteousness that I'm always full of confidence. That no matter where I have a conference, that I confirm victory at all times. Well, not because it's my desire, but because God has told me to go. And so I receive that righteousness. And so I confirm that righteousness. And not because of my works, but because God spoke. Amen. And so put on the breastplate of righteousness. Third, uh, and, having, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And so, um, in Roman army, they wear very comfortable leather shoes. And with these leather shoes, they would conquer the world. And so this peace is the word shalom. Shalom means victory. And so, we need to have that victorious word that can trample the devil. And so let's say worries and fears come looking at, knocking at your door. Then in that moment, you receive the word of God that says to rejoice. And so you trample on that fear and worries. At all times, you need to have the word ready to prepare for victory. Let's say that because of lack of money, you get all these fears and worries. And you trample on this thought by saying that God gives riches of his glory. Amen. And so let's say that the demon comes looking to you and gives you fear. But God says, do not fear. And so immediately you proclaim to that fear that I do not fear. Amen. So when the word of God moves, you experience victory. That is the gospel, uh, the slipper of the gospel of peace. And so you need to always be ready for the word of victory.
And so no matter what state you may be, if you are in darkness, that is not the voice of God. And so the Word of God always tells you victory. The Word of God always tells you love. The Word of God always speaks to your dignity. Never says to you, wow, you can't do this? What's wrong with you? Always speaks to you of your dignity. And so do not listen to words of darkness. That is deception. Even when you fail, God doesn't uh, blame you for your faults. He rather says you are a child of God. He speaks to you that you are a child of God. Even now, if you're listening to words of darkness, cast it away, cast it aside. It's because the demons are constantly whispering in your ears. And there is actually a whispering spirit. A whis all you whispering spirits that are clinging to our ears, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. Blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. These whispering voices, you need to cast them out. God always speaks to your victory. God always speaks to your nobility. Every day, God speaks to you of faith. He gives you words of beauty. God doesn't call you ugly, ever. In Korea, I'm a pretty good-looking man. But when I look at you, when I compare myself to you, I, 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 I don't match up. But God never says to me, I'm, uh, you're ugly. He always says, you are the most beautiful. You are the most awesome. This is the gospel of the, uh, the slippers of the gospel of peace. Believe that God keeps giving you words of victory. And so you need to be able to proclaim victory. Amen. Verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit. I uh, know. Verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. And this faith is not a small shield. It's a shield that can cover your entire body. And so faith comes from hearing the word. And so as you continue to eat the word of God in faith, the scale of your faith grows bigger and bigger. And that faith becomes the size of a ship. And so you will not be moved at any attack. Amen? This is the uh, power of faith that you need to have. As you continue to eat the word of God, your faith will grow. Amen. I bless you to have powerful faith. Amen. And now, helmet of salvation. So this helmet that protects you, protects your head. And so this salvation isn't simply, oh, I'm going to heaven. No, but it's the strength to control all my thoughts. As, jo as Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart.
that this is the wellspring, your heart is the wellspring of life. And so you need to guard your heart. You need to be able to reign over your hearts. Right? It says that demons gave Judas Iscariot the thought to betray Jesus. And so our mind needs to continue to be purified and holy. That in our mindset, there should only be the truth. And so when you eat the Word of God in faith, your mindset gets filled with the truth. And as that mind goes, or as, oh, sorry, sorry, one more. And so, your thoughts are neutral. If the devil takes hold of it, it'll be on devil's side. If the Holy Spirit uses it, it'll be on the Holy Spirit's side. So he who eats the Word of God continuously, that uh, the Holy Spirit will make use of your mindset, amen? And so, uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and so this word is not the word Logos, but the word Rhema. The revelation that you can proclaim the word of God immediately. And so if you are characterized, habitualized, eating the word of God in faith, then at any time you can speak Rhema uh, to proclaim those words. Logos can be used by the devil. Right? When Jesus was tested, the devil uses the word of God to test him. And so, Logos is not good enough. We need the word given to us by the Holy Spirit, the Rhema. And so several years ago, there was a missionary team in Nepal that drowned in, in water. The reason why is because a flood came in and all of a sudden the water levels started to rise. And one of the leaders said this, hey, Peter walked on water. We also can walk on water. What was the problem with this? Is that at that time, Jesus spoke to Peter. He did not speak to everyone. And so it's not Rhema, but Logos. But we need to be able to use the Rhema. The words of Rhema is a powerful weapon that can stab the devil. And so it is the uh, power to be able to break down the strategies of, of, the, dev of, 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 of the devil. Who's on me? Who's on me? Who's on me? And so at times, the word of God comes out as a fire, comes out as blood of Jesus. And so as servants of God, you need to have that authority. Amen. Amen. And so verse 18, and uh, to that end, uh, keep alert, uh, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. You need to have the prayer, power of prayer. And so you pray, and your church members need to be raised up as uh, praying warriors. And so you need to continually live as prayer warriors. And so in faith, take hold of the spiritual armor of 
and on top of this, I proclaim extra spiritual weapons. If you look at Psalms 114, it says that he who rejoices from his lips comes a double-edged sword. And so rejoice is a weapon. And so at this time, I give you a pocket of joy. Take this pocket of joy. And so there's many evidence that you are being pushed back in spiritual warfare. And one of the clear evidence is if you lose joy, means that you are losing spiritual warfare. And so if you rejoice at all times, then from your lips comes double-edged sword. And so take this pouch of joy. And Isaiah 59, 17, it shows God uh, coming. And what does he have on? First, garments of vengeance for clothing. And so you need to have this rage against the enemy. If you lose the rage against the enemy, that means you are losing faith in the love of God. And so he who receives the love of God will at the same time have rage against the enemy. So if you have this heart of vengeance against the devil, the devil will be afraid of you. Why? Because this rage is not my anger, but the rage of, the, of God. And so, to those who have this rage, God's authority and power is poured out upon them. And so at this time, put on the, uh, the garments of vengeance. And several years ago, God gave us another weapon. It is the spear of Joshua. And so when God, Joshua says, son, stay still in the sky, this powerful work of faith. And, and then also the staff of Moses that split the Red Sea. All of this is symbolizing great faith. And so take this great faith. And then next is the bronze bow and arrow that can cut through, pierce through all the enemy. Powerful ability to break through. This is all faith, all faith. And so receive this powerful faith. Amen. And lastly, raise the flag of victory. Raise that flag of victory every day. Hallelujah upon you and your church, clothe your church members with this, with this uh, armor of God. And so now proclaim it, brothers. Declare, put on the garment of vengeance. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the pouch of joy. Raise the, the spear of Joshua. Raise the staff of Moses. Take the bronze bow 
this, uh, proclaim this armor of God. Claim it for yourself. And also you have received powerful fire. And this powerful fire will pour out upon you. This powerful anointing. And so you need to take this system, take this system in faith. Your prayer will be completely renewed. Let us pray. Put on the, the garments of vengeance. Put on the full armor of God. Put on the pouch of joy. Raise the staff of Joshua. servants, may they receive it all together, Lord. And Lord, these spoils of war, pour it out upon your church. And Lord, upon all these servants, 900 servants, their churches, may they be transformed with a new glory. And especially may they be established as excellent warriors in spiritual battle as proclaimed in this last session. And Lord, may they take hold of all of these weapons in faith. 
and as they win battle, may they continually take more and more spoils of war, especially all their children that they have lost to the world. May they reclaim it for your glory. May all their children rise up as a holy generation. And now, by the grace of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church, and through the holy love of the Father, and the comforting, fulfilling, indwelling work of the Holy Spirit, to, this, to the 900 servants who are gathered here and upon their countries, upon their churches, upon their pastoral ministry, upon their children, upon Zoe ministry, and upon the remnant all over the world. May this blessing rest now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Let's give a shout of glory to the Lord. One, two, three. Let's give all the glory to God.